This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm Professor of Marketing here at Wharton. And with me in the studio is my co-host, Professor Americus Reed. I'm excited. And no, it's really cool because, um, you know, I, I find my I am a, a digital immigrant, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to get on with this stuff in terms of the technology. And that's really, really cool. This idea of, you know, trying to recreate. This is what you talk about in the book, The Shopping Revolution. Right. Uh, shop- to- <laughs> opening this week. <laughs> opening, yeah, very soon. June 12th. Uh, yeah, that's right. That, that retailers really have to, like, redefine, reinvent, and and create new new reasons for people to break out of the kind of, you know, just go online matrix and just stay there and not do stuff and, and interact. Yeah, so what's really interesting cool. and what he was saying, and this, well, we just were talking to the CMO of ShopRunner, mm-hmm. is, and I agree with this, is because of Amazon and because of all that stuff, customers' expectations have risen. Mm-hmm. So you expect things to be delivered easily, yeah. you know, and you're going in. What ShopRunner does is a marketplace platform for all these other retailers, mm-hmm. and you go into those retailers and they're not on Amazon. On Prime, and you just expect the stuff to be delivered to you, yeah, because that's your expectation. That's the expectation. Now. But in, in, in an interesting context of that as well, Barbara, it's like raising the bar. So I mean, there's there's a benefit for having sort of a disruption factor like right, this and Amazon, right. and we're He's all making everybody happy. Raise the game, I think. yeah. And then he competes in one quadrant. He competes in you know low price and frictionless, mm-hmm. but he's not doing everything, mm-hmm. and it, it makes a gap for people to do something else, have fun, make shopping pleasant. You know, go after the luxury brand that don't tend to be sold at Amazon, or as he pointed out in Walmart, mm-hmm. they don't tend to be sold there. Very cool stuff. So this is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM Business Radio, Channel 111, and our next guest is Brad Grossman. He's the founder and CEO of Zeitguide. Hello, Brad. Hey, it's so great to be back. Yeah, you've been here show. before. Yeah. So. yeah, Brad, you're you're a regular on the show. Welcome <laughs> yeah, back, my friend. Right, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so we're going to make you repeat a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what um, Zeitguide is before we talk about the t- topics on the agenda for today. All right. Well, Zeitguide mainly means a guide to the Zeitgeist. And Zeitgeist, if you didn't know, means spirit of the times in German. And what we do is basically guide leaders – who are super busy and want an outside perspective on what's happening in the outside world, and we advise them on how to stay culturally relevant and how they should respond to the constant changes. Interesting. So this is critical, Brad, because often marketers just aren't sensitive enough to kind of the cultural dynamics that will affect how large masses of consumers will uh, respond to different types of messaging and positioning and, 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 and persuasive communications from marketers. So for, for what you're doing to step in and say, we're going to provide the Bible, essentially, the zeitgeist to be able to give you the nuance and color around those cultural trends is really, really important for marketers. Yeah, well, most of our clients and subscribers, because remember, we have a consulting company that works directly with companies that help them stay on what they need to know and see what's next and specific issues that those marketers are interested in. But we also, you said a Bible, um, we call it a, a, a cultural almanac, and it's now a quarterly publication <laughs> nice. that we um, sell on our website. So, uh, 
you know. So if you're not a client, you could also get a taste of our thinking. Yeah, I went. I went on your website today just to see that. Yeah, you, you definitely can get a sense of what's going on, but it does make you hungry for more mm-hmm. to find out. And it's good. I want to know more of this. Yeah. Oh, but he's coming on the show today. Yeah. I will. I will tell me more. The, the cultural almanac guru is here with us. <laughs> yeah. So we can talk about all these issues, right, Barbara? Yeah, yeah. So you just did the quarter two Zeitgeist 2018, right? Yes. And I imagine, you know, just because it seems like it's true for everybody, that a lot of that you had to cover some of the stuff that's going on new with Amazon. Did you talk about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gorilla in the room, as it were. owns the cultural almanac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we actually, the chapter's called Staying Relevant by Staving Off Amazon. Mm. Oh, so Amazon's the, is something to compete with, not to partner with. That's mm. your perspective? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a you know, crazy question. It depends who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it depends when you're talking you know when you're um if you're talking about now or you're talking about in the future so last year when we first talked about amazon and last year's cultural almanac the takeaway was that most consumer product companies will go wherever amazon is Mm so when most consumers just use amazon as their go-to retailer um you should definitely make sure you're on the platform but obviously we know that Amazon takes the cut of that. So, yes, you should partner with them, and we know a lot of brands are partnering with them. But be careful. But what, mm-hmm. but what I tell people, which is kind of interesting to think about, you know, Amazon is also collecting your sales data. Right. Mm-hmm. And what can they do with that data? Perhaps they could create their own products, which they had. Perhaps. <laughs> like batteries. So they'll sell Duracell. Duracell right. will, will be on the platform, and then they'll figure out how well those Duracell batteries are doing, and then they'll sell their own. Right. And encourage you to buy those batteries. And the problem is their algorithms are all set up to feature whatever they want to feature. They, have, they own all the data, so it's kind of hard to... Um, if, if, if Amazon wants to target you and compete against you at a lower price, it's kind of hard to combat that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they have 100 million Prime users, so they have a really big base of customers. Right. Well, they did raise the price, didn't they? Just yeah, recently? $20. Yeah. I didn't hear yeah. anybody <laughs> drop off, though. So, <laughs> that's the problem. Fair you know, enough. are they going right. to – who knows what's going to happen with all that. But so what you were talking about in the Zeitgeist is some of the new things that they did in the last quarter. And I see here that you um, – we're talking about they bought the smart home equipment maker Ring for a billion dollars. That's like – I think you mentioned that's their second biggest acquisition after Whole Foods. Yeah, that's exactly So it. that's so- pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do we know about that? Yeah. Well, they're trying to get they're trying to connect the product that you're buying, right, to the Alexa or the Amazon Echo in your home. Right. And now they have access to deliver the package right into your door by buying that uh, that company. So what exactly does Ring do? It's an automatic uh, unlocker. So it's, it's basically if you have a lock inside your door, they would have the code. But they would be able to do it digitally um, that is very secure that would just basically enable the deliverer just to put the package right into 
right behind your door and then close the door. Right so, like, that. I live in At Philadelphia. I have no doorman or, or door person. And so, therefore, right. it's very hard for and me no to get to. no one steals your packages. Right. Like, they do in, in New York. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, they steal our. I don't order online. It's part of the reason why I'm not Amazon Prime, actually. Mm. Because delivery is not that easy for me because mm. I'm not going to be home whenever they come. Mm-hmm. But with this right. new thing, the, they could deliver it. If I give them permission, they can deliver it inside my house, right? Mm. Exactly. And it also has a, a, how should I say it? It it has a camera, too. So there is the security measure of it as well. Mm -hmm. So if anybody is coming in and they drop off the, the, you know, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're connected to the ring if you're right. a product deliverer in the same way that Uber's connected yeah, to the Yeah, that, that Uber makes me feel much safer because I know somebody's watching where my car is going and all mm. that other stuff. If they mm-hmm. start doing something crazy, mm-hmm. there's somebody who knows about it. Mm. So if anything, it gives you a sense of security to know there's cameras if people are coming into your house, you'll right. have it on film. Right. Exactly. And ring is a cool and, product too because like you were saying, Brad, you, it's kind of like you—you you can be anywhere in the world, basically, and sort of still have access to, you know, who's 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 around your house, who's trying to come in, uh, you know, and have you know, you can kind of be there uh, digitally, if not physically. So there's a lot of advantages to that in terms of how they see, you know, uh, in, in basically improving the customer experience, right? Absolutely. So especially when they start rolling out its own delivery service as well, it'll become even more efficient in terms mm. of timing. Mm-hmm. So they might even be able to get it to you before you go on that trip mm-hmm. because they actually own the last mile right inside the mm-hmm. last mile, the last mile to your house and then exactly right inside your door. Mm. So the and, un- uh, Alexa will call you up and say, hey, right. your package is here. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's what we'll that's where I was- pick it up, pick it up and then send it right back to you as, on your trip. That's exactly where I was going to go next, though. So it's really the beginning of the IoT, hmm. Internet of yeah. Things. Interesting. Um, and letting all of these appliances get connected and all the data connected and everything happens. And also, I don't know if you put this in your last book or it's in this book or where it is, but they're also getting into Amazon Home Services. Um, so they're going to put together a platform, I understand, for plumbers and carpenters and all this other stuff. If you need people to work on your house or to help you set up all the Alexa stuff. Um, that's another so one of like them. what uh, Ikea wanted to do by buying TaskRabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not only uh, you're, you're staying relevant by staving off Amazon. It's like if you do something, Amazon is just going to do something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> all these mergers and acquisitions in the pet food business. And now Amazon just said today that they're going to be creating their own pet food brand. Wow. So it's like as soon as you try to you know go against Amazon – um, or compete against them, or do something to um, save yourself um, from mm-hmm. going out of business. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, do the response. So then the other, so Amazon's going to do all the in-home stuff, all all the delivery service. They already do everything else, and then they recently uh, got into banking. Yes, well, they're saying that um, we don't really know what that's going to be um, in terms of the future. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that in terms of digital currency, right, I mean, there's a lot of exchange of money throughout the Amazon platform. So, and then you also think of like credit cards with a brand name on it. You know, why can't they get into that business? Oh, God. Wow. (laughs) I think it was the Wall Street Journal that said that, uh, you know, an Amazon branded checking account 
could reduce the fees Amazon pays to financial firms and provide it with valuable data on customers' income and spending habits. Yeah, like that. So, that, that. so it's like at scale. It's the same thing with uh, health insurance, why J.P. Morgan, Amazon, and Berkshire right. Hathaway you know, also announced that they're going to get in the healthcare fund, um, that, you know, by scale, by combining all these companies, they'll be able to compete with the insurance rates because mm-hmm. they have more people so they could lower the rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, let's go back to the financial services. Anyone who knows that credit card business knows there's a whole lot of different margins in that game because there's the credit card company, there's the retailer, there's the bank, yep. there's all of that yeah. stuff. So just like they do with anything, if you disintermediate that, some of that, and get rid of some of those players, then you're going to be able to pass on those cost savings, and it's going to be a boon for the consumer, but there'll be some players who'll drop out because they won't be able to compete. There you go. Yep. And then the health care. But Amazon, you know, as they're stealing their data, I mean, that's like what did uh, Mary Meeker of Kleiner Perkins, you know, she does her annual um, trend report, very famous. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I got an email about that. Yeah. Yeah, she, you, you should definitely take a look at it. I always look forward to it every year, and she calls it the privacy paradox, right? Because, like, okay, we're giving Amazon all this data, but mm. they're making our lives much more seamless. They're providing the best customer service ever. Um, so why would we work with any other company ever? Right. I mean, so, and it gets down. I don't know. Where do you stand on the antitrust in Amazon? Um, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) I know what our president thinks, Uh, but no, I mean, you know, I, I see it from both sides. Uh, the mom and pop shop is being disrupted by Amazon in some way. Um, but I think it causes greater competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we'll see, what's going to happen in terms of all the backlash that is probably going to happen with Amazon in the same way that it's happening with Google and Facebook, right? More so. The data, um, the data backlash or antitrust? It's just backlash in general. I, I, you know, Mary Meeker uses the word pri- uh, uh, privacy paradox. I'm talking about the, I call it the digital paradox. Consumers are becoming much more aware of the power that these digital behemoths that they give up their entire lives to have. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think like the chapter that we're talking about, staving off Amazon, the others are going to get bigger and bigger and, you know, try to compete with Amazon, which is a behemoth. So I'm telling many of my media clients, right, who are comparing themselves to Netflix. Right. You know, every media company is trying to go OTT. Disney is a perfect example of a company that's taking off their. Uh, movies and content off of the platform and creating their own ecosystem, right? But I say, let's not think of Netflix as the competitor. Think of Amazon as the competitor. Mm. Every media company that has content should create this platform that consumers could put their own content on it as well, Mm. um, as well as offering products. And then offering other things. So any any brand that's really trusted and that people love, and it could be legacy or it even could be an emerging brand, at that point, it might be just about the brand that people love. And I think it's going to be singular from the identity of Amazon. 
Yeah. We're talking to Brad Grossman. He's the founder and CEO of Zeitguide, and he's talking about his new Zeitguide that came out in quarter two of 2018, and they talked a lot about Amazon's moves, what Amazon's done in just the last quarter. Every single day, it's been my experience. Amazon announces something new mm-hmm. that they're doing, mm-hmm. if it's you're listening. It's yeah, hard to keep up. It's just amazing how fast they're going. But you also talk about in the Zeitguide then um, what some of the legacy companies are doing in response. So are there right. some that you think that are doing some pretty cool things? I just see bigger companies. Well, first of all, okay, there's two things. One, it excites me to see who's partnering up. You know, we say this phrase, you got to buy, build, or buddy up to stay relevant <laughs> to, uh, uh, to, you know, this digital takeover, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are some really great brands like, you know, Cigna, you know, and, and what they're doing. And they just, they bought a, uh, a pharmacy uh, Benefit. company. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, manager, think yeah. about the audience that they have. I mean, Cigna now isn't in the insurance business. They're basically in the health business and who knows what else they can do. Maybe Cigna will have like, you know, a bunch of doctors on staff and uh, like, you know, uh, CBS uh, bought Aetna. Aetna, right. right. So, so you see these ecosystems coming together and, and creating new arenas for consumers to feel comfortable because they already know the brand, right? But see that they're offering things that, that, you know, that they never thought could possibly exist. And then there's one, then the other thing is that's really, really important to understand is that they also have physical spaces. Now, Amazon, yes, is opening up stores very quickly, right? Right. But these other stores, even though, there's what people are calling the retail apocalypse, right? right? Stores are closing left and right. Stores to survive really have an opportunity to create a must-go-to destination because what's happening right now in, in this era of what we call the digital paradox, right, is that people are starting to get attuned to the negative repercussions of digital technology, and people being addicted to it. Um, there's a term I love to uh, talk about called nomophobia, right? Mm. It's the phobia of no more mobile, nomophobia. <laughs> um, so people are becoming aware. Even Apple yesterday, they, they said that they're going to figure out a way or mm-hmm. create a product that gets people off their phone and right. Google has their thing. And, you know, this is, this is all happening. So I feel that there's going to be a bigger movement to get people off their phones, out of their house, into real-life um, experiential um, destinations. Absolutely. I right? believe, I agree with you. I, I have to plug my book and one more time, the though. Biggest way, mm-hmm. That's the biggest way to stave off that. Yeah, I agree. That's what I, I, yeah. I'm publishing. You should get it. I'm publishing this new book <laughs> called The Shopping Revolution. It's coming out this week. But I agree with you completely. Right. Because Thank you. <laughs> because... That's um, you know. Oh, my God. I'm like, you guys are like, what are you... Why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree with what you're saying, is, which is that um, as much as we're getting wedded to this e-commerce and digital, you know, mobile com- commerce and digital commerce, online commerce, we still have a need to be human. Mm. We want to touch and feel things. We we want to look at things. We want the social 
interaction. It's just that now that that experience is going to be at a new standard. It's got to be higher expectations because we've become more sophisticated shoppers. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are going to work, and I agree with you, there are plenty of stores closing, but there are stores that are not closing. And some chains are building new stores mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're doing fantastic um, customer experience in these stores. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Macy's is getting a lot of attention over here. Um, I think they have like a, they built a park on their roof and, uh, and, and there's a, another big store. I don't remember if it was Neiman Marcus or I, I can't remember which one is that, that has like these concierge services. Yeah. And, yeah. Nordstrom's and, is doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe that Nordstrom's. Yes. Right. Nordstrom's, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's becoming more of like a members only club. That that, uh, that retailers Nordstrom's are, are, is doing a lot of experimenting with that. They opened up the inventory list stores in Los Angeles, one of their biggest market. Um, yeah. We have a caller, William and from Macy's, Ten- and, and Macy's actually a, a friend of mine named Rachel Sheckman. I don't know if you yes, I know she owns Story, Story right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, she uh, Macy's she's the new the brand uh, guru, brand experience guru at Macy's. William from Tennessee. Let me let me just take Sorry. this caller in. William from Tennessee, do you have a quick question? Uh, yes, I was wanting to know how does the uh, pop up marketplace play uh, into the physical place as far as uh, online companies go? Okay, thank you, William. Let me. You know, we were just kind of talking a little bit about that because Story is kind of like a pop up. If those of you who don't know, there's only one store. It's on the upper west. It's in Manhattan mm-hmm. on the west Chelsea. side. And what do you say? In Chelsea. Oh, in Chelsea. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But it's on the west side, somewhere like Ninth Avenue or something. Um, And what it does is it changes its entire inventory every four to six weeks. So that's kind of like a pop-up store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And part of it is to create a new experience to get people who want to come into the store. It builds brands. It tells a story. That's Mm -hmm. the whole idea. That's the idea. And as Brad was just saying, Nacy's just bought that store story, and then they hired – um, Rachel, who is the owner of that and the genius behind that store, to to run their brand experience and run their development. And m- my guess is she's going to do a bunch of pop-ups in Macy's. What do you think, Brett? I entirely agree. I, I, I can see that the reason why Rachel decided to not give up her baby, but share her baby, her idea, <laughs> uh, is because that Macy's does have scale and it's a lot of opportunity to um, proliferate the, 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 the experience that I do believe that customers will be really excited by, um, which is that you were saying that tells a story, but every four to six weeks she has a new theme, like right. love story, right? Mm. And the theme, like everything in that store has something to do with love mm. and, you know, right before Valentine's Day or wellness story. Mm-hmm. So it, it inspires curiosity, I think, from the shopper and a new experience every time you go to the store. Right. But it Mm -hmm. also educates people about, you know, how to, you know, understand about the zeitgeist. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Terrific. But thank you, William, for that call, because I think that that intuition, that pop up or innovation would can drive people to the store is an interesting idea also. And that's just one of the ways that shopping is changing. Well, Brad Grossman, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was great to have you. I hope you'll join us again. Yes. Can I, can I just do one marketing thing? Okay. Marketing where you could get the Zeitgeist. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> you could get the quarterly publication at zeitgeist.com. 
Um, and uh, I hope it gets you smarter. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Thanks I'm a lot, Brad. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, thanks thank so you. much. So much fun to talk to you. Thank you. We, we appreciate your time. You. Oh, you're awesome. Well, that's it for our show tonight. I want to thank our wonderful guests, Harista Nikolova of Boston College. She talked about dyad research mm. and ethics, mm-hmm. and people in dyads are less ethical, correct? Yes, yes they are yes, less that's ethical. Scary. That's right. <laughs> and then we had Chris Malone in our studio because Shoprunner actually started in Conshohocken in our famous right city here. of that's Philadelphia. That's right. The city of brotherly love and e-commerce, apparently. And we just talked to Brad Grossman of Zeitguide, and he talks about the cultural things. And and uh, we're very happy uh, to have all of this conversation. And you'll hear on Marketing Matters every week we talk about brands, we talk about retailing, and we usually bring in an academic co- yep. colleague to That's talk correct. about research. Yep. Um, and I want to give a big thanks, of course, to my amazing co-host. I appreciate that, Barbara. Professor always Americus a, Reed. Always a pleasure to be here. The, the expert on anything brand or brand identity, how to say sorry. He doesn't watch Roseanne, but, but I know how to tell it. her how to apologize. Yes, yes. yes. And we want to thank our audio engineer, Daniela Bruno, and our wonderful producer, Michelle Stucker. And we'd like to thank you for listening. If you want to reach out after the show, feel free to email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at businessradio111. Remember, we're here every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and we are replayed several times throughout the week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 